Hello and welcome to the Marketing Week Explores podcast, where the Marketing Week editorial team looks to dissect some of the biggest industry topics. My name's Lucy Tesseris and I'm the Features Editor at Marketing Week, and I'm joined today by senior writer Charlotte Rogers and reporter Ellen Hammett. Today we'll be discussing new technologies from Bitcoin and blockchain to virtual reality, the Internet of Things and 5G to get behind the hype and work out which have the most long-term potential. So first off, let's talk about Bitcoin and blockchain. There's been a lot of talk about the growth of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology in the news recently, both good and bad, and a rise in the number of businesses launching initial coin offerings or ICOs. But how much notice should brands be taking at this stage? Charlotte, you've been doing a lot of research into this area recently. Should brands believe the hype? It's a good idea, first off, to explain a little bit about what cryptocurrencies are and blockchain. So starting off, blockchain is the technology that underpins um, cryptocurrencies. um, And it's essentially, at its most simple, um, an open ledger, which um, anyone in a community has uh, the ability to validate transactions taking place within that ledger. So it would enable organisations to record data in a highly secure fashion that is verifiable and decentralised. And it's on this technology that cryptocurrencies work, um, most famous to date being Bitcoin, it's also Arethium, um, Ripple, kind of number of different coins. And brands are also creating their own coins or tokens, which they are, as Lucy said, kind of you know, taking out there with an ICO. Um, Bitcoin in particular has been hitting the headlines since December because its value surged. Um, was $18,000 per coin in December um, when it when it um, launched on the Chicago Board Options Exchange, which is the, bit, the first Bitcoin futures market. Mm. Um, and to kind of put this into context, at the start of 2017, um, Bitcoin was only valued at just over $900. So it's had a lot, a big kind of swing of being um, valued very highly and kind of dropping again. So it, it does come under um, accusations of being quite volatile. Mm. But what brands are doing now is they're using ICOs to raise money for their company. So if you're a startup, you can create your own coin um, and go out to, and kind of go public, but you circumvent traditional investment channels. So you can raise money quite quickly. Um, and brands are using different ways to drum up support for their ICOs. Um, so they're using things like Telegram, which is quite a cryptocurrency friendly messaging app. Mm. Um, and they're also working with blockchain influencers, um, <clears throat> so people within the blockchain community, but also celebrities like Paris Hilton and Jamie Foxx have endorsed ICOs. Um, in August last year, the blockchain-powered market predictions website, Stocks.com, teamed up with Floyd Mayweather, uh, the boxer, to promote its ICO. So there's a lot of noise about cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, and there's also accusations that brands are kind of jumping on the bandwagon of a, bit of a PR stunt. Um, so Burger King in Russia in August uh, launched the Whopper coin, which enabled, uh, so for every ruble spent on a Whopper, um, you amassed coins, a Whopper coin. And when you had 1,700 Whopper coins, you could then buy a burger. Um, another brand to have kind of got involved um, in ICOs and blockchain is Kodak. Um, it launched in January. Uh, it's Kodak One blockchain, which is in an image right platform for photographers um, so that they can manage uh, their images, how they're being used and the licensing of them. And then they get paid. Uh, so if someone wants to use their photograph, um, they get paid via Kodak coin. Um, there was meant to be an ICO on the 31st of January. Um, but it actually had to be cancelled the day before so that uh, Kodak could evaluate the status of 40,000 potential investors who would apply to take part. The most notable and probably notorious example of a brand getting involved in cryptocurrencies is um, the Long Island Tea Company, 
which last year changed its name to the Long Blockchain Company, um, and its share price went up 432%. So there's a lot going on there. Um, it hasn't all been plain sailing, though. There has been a bit of a backlash against the pro- uh, growing popularity of ICOs, both from social media platforms and from more traditional lenders as well, hasn't there? Yeah, definitely. So already Facebook, Google and Twitter have all banned adverts promoting ICOs. Um sort of widely saying that um, you know there are some unscrupulous people um, tempting people to get involved in uh, these coin offerings and uh, it might you know they might not all be be official um, Lloyds Banking Group banned 8 million of its credit card customers across Lloyds Bank Bank of Scotland Halifax and MBNA um, from buying Bitcoin on their credit cards um, which caused a sharp fall in the digital currency's value mm-hmm. uh, and even in early March the Governor of the Bank of England Matt Carney said that the bank had no use for the technology underpinning cryptocurrencies and that they were unlikely to be the future of money. There are others suggesting that blockchain could bring a level of transparency to ad buying though so how would that work? Yeah, there are. So um, the idea that the kind of transparency that blockchain is built on and the fact that it has to be verified by a number of parties before any change can be made, um, the idea is that this could be used to combat ad fraud um, using the concept of the smart contract. So the blockchain technology would enable advertisers and media owners to engage in a smart contract where all the parties agree a position um, on the basis of, of the transaction um, and the amount of value being transferred, so there's a re- reducing the risk of dispute, um, and any changes made to the smart contract would have to be agreed by all parties before they were applied across the blockchain. So no one could, nothing could change um, while sort of um, once a deal had been agreed. Mm. Um, so Unilever has teamed up with IBM and IX on a new blockchain project to investigate how to drive digital ad transparency. And you know, I talked to. Um, Jeremy Basinda at IBM and he was saying to me that he could see smart contract specialists working in procurement, supply chain operations, programmatic advertising, trade promotions. Um, so they believe that this, this project they're working on could be rolled out across the wider industry. Uh, and then there's a brand like Coca-Cola, which is uh, also keen to explore the potential of blockchain. It's collaborating with the US State Department on um, a highly secure register for workers, which is aimed at combating the use of forced labour globally. Really interesting stuff. Um, there's also opportunities around loyalty as well, isn't there, in other areas like betting and social media? Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of interesting startups emerging in the space. Uh, one that I spoke to is called Tricky, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's a kind of blockchain-powered startup which is collaborating with nine hotel groups across South America, Europe, um, Africa, and Asia on a blockchain-powered loyalty system that rewards gra- uh, sorry rewards guests uh, in a cryptocurrency, their own cryptocurrency. Um, which is called a trip coin. How it works is that if you, so the whole system, the whole loyalty system is based on a blockchain. So if there's an agreement that a hotel brand says, if you come for the first night, you will get X amount of coins, or you stay for three nights, or you talk about us, or you write a review, it's all written into the blockchain. So you have to go to the hotel and it's activated straight away. The coin can then be put into your own wallet, um, which is a kind of an app, a crypto wallet on your um, on your phone or you can then cash out with your coins on a cryptocurrency exchange and actually make money. So it's kind of highly verifiable way of um, managing loyalty. Um, another brand kind of on the social media side to get involved with cryptocurrencies is Kick. It's a Canadian messaging app um, which created its own cryptocurrency and integrated it into the platform last year. It's known as Kin um, and the tokens allow the, like users within the app um, and it's apparently the app has 300 million users. Um, 
to um, earn rewards um, and buy some things within the app, like stickers, um, and, and brands can reward uh, users of the app with themed content um, if they create stuff for them, create content for them. Um, when Kick held its ICO last September, it raised um, £72 million, pounds, $100 million, um, and more than 10,000 people across 117 countries got involved in the ICO. Um, and finally, another brand I spoke to is called Fans Unite, which is a US startup that's looking to kind of make the um, betting scene more transparent um, and more fairly priced. So it gives us transparency and security for users by storing their betting information on the blockchain. Um, so it removes the risks of bets being reneged upon post-match um, and all the payouts are made using Fans Unite, Fans Unite's Ethereum-based token FAN. So yeah, lots of potential. Yeah, there's definitely lots of opportunities there for, for brands. Um, so taking all of that into account, um, how big a deal do you think blockchain is going to be for marketers? Blockchain is something that marketers can't ignore. Um, when I spoke to Yasha Kajakswolf, who is the CMO at Mozilla, he talked about us being on a continuum um, and that we are quite, you know, there are early adopters and players that are doing interesting things in blockchain, but we need the mass adoption of the bigger brands. And with what Unilever are doing with IBM, um, I think that's coming. Obviously, we're, we're a while away, but um, to quote Jeremy Epstein, who's CEO of blockchain startup agency Never Stop Marketing, when I asked him the same question, he said, is blockchain going to affect marketing? Imagine yourself in 1993 coming to me and saying, is this internet thing going to affect marketing? It's going to affect everything. Very interesting. So from blockchain and Bitcoin to innovation in the smartphone market, Ellen, you've done a piece recently looking at um, the, the innovation that is going on within the market, which is kind of interesting now, particularly as smartphone sales growth declined for the first time at the end of 2017. So mobile brands are having to find different ways to innovate now. There's been a lot of discussion around the potential of virtual reality and augmented reality, artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things, as well as the promise of what 5G can enable. But how much of that is hype at this stage, do you think? So there is a lot going on in this space at the moment and clearly the opportunities for mobile manufacturers, operators and brands are you know, greater than ever. I mean, when I went to Mobile World Congress, um, at the end of February, you just look around and you're seeing flying taxi drones, robots that can paint, um, biometric tech, you know, bionic limbs, things that once only existed in sci-fi novels, which, you know, have now become a reality. And like you say, this is all underpinned by the promise of an ultra-fast 5G network, which has now apparently gone from concept to an actual reality. But... When you think about it, most marketers are still struggling to get to grips with mobile, you know, as it is, mm. and um, how it has been for the last five years or so. And a lot of people that I've spoken to um, in the media and marketing industries seem to be saying the same, that 5G will turbo drive what we do, but it won't rewrite the rules. It's not going to be groundbreaking. Think about it most of us still have to wave our phones above our head to get a decent 3G or 4G connection. Yeah. And similarly, you know, with the Internet of Things, augmented and virtual reality, um, artificial intelligence and drones, they make good headlines. Um, but speaking to, when I spoke to uh, Tracy Follows, who's a futurist, 
So it's her job to look to the future. Mm. And she said, you know, these things make great headlines, but they don't often alter society overnight. One thing, actually, one thing that people are excited about are voice assistants. Mm. So while they're still in their early stages, Alexa, Google Home, and clearly have a long way to go in terms of really safeguarding the tech, and uh, making sure that it's secure and that it works, it works well. I think this is one thing that people should probably be keeping an eye on. Um, so in general, marketers, yes, be excited by all of this tech. It is exciting, but maybe focus on the existing landscape and existing reality um, before you start investing in, you know, these still largely unexplored markets, especially when budgets are, you know, tight yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So don't get excited too quickly. Don't yes. run before you can walk. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the big mobile manufacturers doing to push the boundaries and to innovate? Okay, so mobile manufacturers are taking really different approaches. So you've got Samsung at one end of the spectrum, who is laying the foundations for this new frontier of mobile intelligence, which it calls the intelligence of things. and as you can guess, it's based on, you know, um, super clever machines. Um, and it wants to put mobile at the center of everything that people do. Um, and it also says that it's only at the tip of the iceberg of what it wants to achieve. So I'm not sure if that's um, sort of scary for people because it feels like it's so far ahead and it's developing this such futuristic tech um, I'm not sure whether people are quite ready for it. And then you've got Nokia, who seems to be going for this stripped back, um, back to basics approach. Last year it brought back its classic 3310. Mm. Um, this year it's revived its um, banana phone, which featured in The Matrix. So you know, the, the yellow banana flip phone. Um, it's obviously come back and it's a bit more high tech. It's 4G and does have, you know, apps and you can do more things with it um, so what it feels like Nokia is doing is which is quite clever it's it's going back to its feature phone roots and it's looking to tap into people's nostalgia and everyone's you know everyone likes Polaroids and vinyl and dungarees at the moment it's you know very it feels very on trend um, but at the same time it's it's looking it's creating these entry-level smartphones and it's looking to enter markets, you know, which are still in their very early stages um, and where smartphone penetration is probably a long way off from plateauing. So while you've got Samsung, you know, over here, which is pinning everything it does on 5G and looking to create this really futuristic um, world, then you've got Nokia, who's who's looking to to target, you know, different markets. Um, I think that's quite a clever move. And then you've got Motorola, which is going in the complete opposite direction, actually um, weirdly encouraging people to use their phones less. So it wants people to be more, um, I think it says, when I spoke to their CMO, they said they want people to be more mindful about how they about how they use their phones, um, and that they're on a mission to 
to get people to radically reassess their relationship. And that was based on some research they did, um, which found that six in ten people say they'd like a better phone life balance, um, 49% check their phone more often than they would like, and 34% believe they would be happier if they spent less time on their phone. And then perhaps more concerning um, is that 53% of children aged 11 to 16 describe their phone as their best friend. So, <laughs> so um, their CMO said that they noticed about a year ago that phone usage is moving into a mindless territory. And because of that, people are get, becoming more anxious, um, there's like a FOMO, and you know that's in turn causing sleep problems. Um, and he said it's not, it's not that they're trying to get people to turn their back on the tech, it's just it's more about controlling what he says is this compulsive and dopamine-driven behaviour. Mm. So quite different approaches to innovation there. Um, how ready do you think consumers are for some of these innovations? There's a fine line between meaningful innovation and um, things that will enhance consumers' lives next to things that perhaps are more innovation for innovation's sake. So I think people are always going to like, you know, those gimmicky type things. Like Samsung um, recently unveiled its new augmented reality emoji where you can see it, you sort of look at your phone and it maps your face and then it you can like it creates a little um, cartoon emoji of you which moves in real time and um, I think people like that stuff they buy into it it's fine and then you've also got brands like um, Just Eat who are doing some things with virtual reality so they're going into to their restaurants and filming them and they want people to be able to see the restaurant and see the food before they order. Um, and they're also trialing uh, delivery drones so you can have your pizza delivered to you, you know, via a robot. Um, and then Direct Line, which I think is doing some really cool stuff with, with drones and, um, and machine learning, they, um, they invested in some drones that you can order via an app and they basically come and they light up dimly lit areas and um, and since then they've been adapted and rolled out for real life search and rescue on the sea so I think those are examples mm. of you know innovation that can really really enhance people's lives whether it's you know choosing the right takeaway when you're hungover or actually, you know, saving lives at sea. I just think it's a case of brands, you know, taking a step back, using their common sense um, to decide where they need to sit um, in this equation and which tech, you know, is worth the investment. Because obviously there is a lot of it. It's like being in a sweet shop and, you know, it's, it's impossible to, to know sometimes what's a gimmick and what isn't. But there are a lot of, there's a lot of cool tech out there at the moment and definitely some that, you know, are worth keeping an eye on. Absolutely, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Um, so that's all we have time for today. So thank you to Ellen and to Charlotte and thank you for listening. You can find more information about everything we've discussed today on marketingweek.com and please do subscribe to our podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Thanks a lot, bye-bye.